We're so thankful for our scripture. We're so thankful for our prophet. And please help us to have thy spirit with us. Help us to learn and grow uh, that we can individually and as a family um, grow closer to thee. We're so, so thankful for Cameron and all the work he does on our behalf. And, and we say these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. All right. So um, during group A, something popped in my head from an old conference talk and I was like, oh, I've got to find that. So before we get started, before I forget it, I'm going to share a little bit of that, that talk um, and how it relates to, to Isaiah Decoded and, and what we're talking about here. So um, it's October 2015 by Bradley Foster. And so I'm just going to read a, a little part of it here. He talks about um, a member, I think it's the state president up at BYU-Idaho, that he was interviewing uh, this, this kid, Pablo. And uh, he says that, I was so impressed with this young man that I asked him, Pablo, who was it that helped you become uh, come to this point in your life, standing so uprightly before the Lord? And he said, my dad. I said, Pablo, tell me your story. Pablo continued, when I was nine, my dad took me aside and said, Pablo, I was nine once too. Here are some things you may come across. You'll see people cheating in school. You might be around people who swear. You'll probably have days when you don't want to go to church. Now, when these things happen or anything else that troubles you, I want you to come and talk to me and I'll help you get through them. And then I'll tell you what comes next. So Pablo, what did he tell you when you were 10? He warned me about pornography and dirty jokes. What about when you were 11? I asked. He cautioned me about things that could become addictive and reminded me um, about using my agency. Here was a father year after year, line upon line, here a little and there a little, who helped his son not only hear, but also understand. Pablo's father knew our children learn when they are ready to learn, not just when we are ready to teach them. I was proud of Pablo when we submitted his missionary application that night, but I was even prouder of Pablo's dad. When I drove home that night, I asked myself, what kind of father will Pablo be? And the answer was crystal clear. He'll be just like his dad. Jesus said the son can do nothing of himself but what he has seen the father do. This is the pattern of how a heavenly father blesses his children from generation to generation. As I continued to think about my experiences with Pablo, I felt sad because my four daughters were grown and the nine grandchildren I had at the time didn't live nearby. I then thought, how could I ever help them the way Pablo's father helped him? Had too much time gone by? As I offered a prayer in my heart, the Spirit whispered this profound truth. It's never too early and it's never too late to begin this important process. I knew immediately what that meant. I could hardly wait to get home. I asked my wife, Cheryl, to call all of our children and tell them that we needed to visit with them. And I had something really important to tell them. My urgency startled them a little. We began with our oldest daughter and her husband. And I said, your mother and I want you to know that we were your age once. We were 31 with a small family. We had, we have an idea of what you might encounter. It might be a financial or health challenge. It may be a crisis of faith. You may just get overwhelmed with life. When these things happen, we want you to come and talk to us. We'll help you get through them. Now, we don't want you to be in your business all the time, but we want you to know that we are always in your corner. And while we're together, I want to tell you about an interview I had with a young man named Pablo. After the story, I said, we don't want to... We don't want you to miss helping your children and grandchildren understand these important truths. And so um, as I was, um, we were talking in, in group A and stuff, that really came to mind um, when we are, are looking at the different levels of the ladder. And um, on page 73, it kind of talks on this principle, how um, in the ascension of Isaiah, it depicts Isaiah's ascent to the seventh heaven from which he sees the end of the world. And he can see what happens on the, all the levels below him, but not those above until he gets there. And so those who ascend the ladder can discern the, the lower rungs, what they do, because often they themselves have been there and done that. Babylon, however, can't see anything above itself. People on that level may sense something higher, but because they have chosen evil, they attribute little value to it yet they may feel a loss of what they had once had. And so as we uh, look at our own progress and, you know, we've been there, done that, and we can 
then be called on to minister to those on on lower rungs of the ladder but it it, it just makes sense that that even in our own families heavenly father has put this pattern into uh into play here where we as as parents um can can minister to to those beneath us we've been where you are we were 31 once with a, a young family wondering what what's going on but yet um we have ministering angels that that are helping um they're they're helping us and then we're helping others and this is how the process always uh, goes but the one line from bradley foster's talk that i really loved is <laughs> now can i find the actual thing um oh yes so when pablo's dad is talking to him he says i want you to come and talk to me and i'll help you get through them and then I'll tell you what comes next. And I think that that's a, a true principle as we're going throughout uh, learning on, on these different levels that we not only get help with where we're at, but our ministry angels can then tell us what comes next because they've been there, they've done that. They can help us rise to the to the next level, et cetera. And, and I just love that principle and it popped in my head and I just wanted to, to share that, that Bradley Foster uh, quote there. I think it's very meaningful and, and important. I love when our modern prophets, apostles, general conference speakers are confirming some of the things that we're learning here in Isaiah Decoded. It just brings it all that more real here, that it's not just Avraham Gileadi's opinion that we're talking about. We're relying on the teachings of Isaiah and our, our modern leaders in the church. Um, so... With that, <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of dive into to some of these different principles here. Um, what were some of your takeaways from, from this chapter on Babylon rebels and worshipers of idols? What were some things that really interested you, uh, that you learned or have a greater appreciation for after having read this chapter? We'll just kind of start off there, get some conversation going. And if not, I, I have lots of <laughs> questions to ask. Um, Cameron, I just wanted to say that I um, sent this book to my dad. My dad's older. He's 80, I think he's 87. Mm -hmm. And this last year has been so hard because there's been so at home and it's been so long. And he's been, I think he's been really down, kind of not depressed, but just down. Yeah. And I sent him this book and told him how much I was liking it. And he called me and just said, oh, I'm so glad. I just love that book. It gives me something to look forward to. He said, I love the seven rungs on the ladder. And now I know I can work on. And my dad's been a state president, a bishop, and a, a mission president and all these things. But he'd never heard of this. And he said, oh, I'm so thankful you gave that book to me. And I just wanted to tell you that how it gives people like sometimes we need like a checklist or like to kind of evaluate ourselves yeah. and to see where we are. I didn't feel like this chapter was, I it wasn't as striking as I thought it would be because I've already kind of worked on getting Babylon out of my life. So it didn't really strike me. I saw a lot of the realism in our life of all this, like with the, and all the football and basketball stuff they have and but I've already kind of really tried to get rid of that in my life. So I, it didn't really surprise me any of it, but mm -hmm. um, definitely a good chapter. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it's interesting how um, uh, everybody in these groups is, is coming at Isaiah decoded in lots of different areas and aspects. Um, some of us are, are seeking to remove Babylon. Some of us are, are seeing that our ministering assignment currently is trying to help somebody else come out of Babylon. And, and there's lots of good little tactics and, and ideas and insights here that, that, that can help all of us. I, I look forward to uh, hearing about uh, how you've, uh, how did you approach removing uh, Babylon and, and idolatry, et cetera, from, from your life? And, and how can you help us to, to do the same? <laughs> we'll look at you I, as an expert. Well, I just started just noticing it especially 
um, I've never been like a super worldly person. I like to have a nice house and stuff, but I've never felt comfortable in really, I grew up in a really nice big home with nice things. But for me, I don't, I just don't really love, I don't love, I don't want people to ever feel not comfortable because I have better things or because I, I don't want everybody to ever feel that, like I think I'm better or, which I think is weird, but I've always kind of been like that. Mm-hmm. And then I just have noticed, especially like with women who have a lot of like Botox and eyelashes and, and I'm a hairdresser, so I'm in the beauty industry and how they, women don't look as natural now, like how, how the younger girls want to, everyone wants to look young and they all want to look so made up and that to me was like now I see it and I go well that's Babylon I just go Babylon in my head and I'm not saying it judgmentally it's just Mm -hmm. Babylon it just I just think of it and like there's this huge house being built right next to mine well not right next to mine but down the street and it's it's Babylon it's and she's a really nice girl but it's like it's so lavish and so extreme and so it's just out of this world wonderful but to me it's just it just screams Babylon I don't know I just started really paying attention and I got rid of things that were Babylon in my life and then I just I don't know I just started last year just kind of just really focusing on preparing spiritually and emotionally and I have several siblings that are very have really nice very nice homes and really nice cars and really nice they're really into looking good and appearance and I just don't I just don't know it doesn't bring joy to me it doesn't it never has really brought joy and I don't it's not that I think I'm better it's not that I I don't at all feel better than them I don't one bit feel better I just I just am more aware of it so when you're aware you can recognize it yeah it's not I mean I'm not trying to be judgmental I just it just screams Babylon mm-hmm. like it just it just when people spend that much money on a car that just screams Babylon to me but that's just all I go oh Babylon and I just kind of go oh, okay whatever <laughs> my little Toyota does just fine <laughs> so anyway and I just think we have to be aware of it and then really put our effort into physical spiritual and emotional preparedness that's all mm-hmm. and yeah. share it with our family and start serving people just focus on serving people not trying to appear something to people mm-hmm. like if it's a lot of it so we we want recognition or want to feel neat i don't know but that's what i worked on and i still have a long way to go but mm-hmm. I kind of feel like the weird person in my family too, though. I always kind of feel like I'm the weirdo. So (laughs) I kind of get used to that though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyone else have any uh, thoughts and experiences on, on this whole Babylon principle, et cetera? Oh yeah. Yeah, (laughs) uh, I really think that if, Anything that takes us away from God can be Babylon. It can be something good and Mm -hmm. it can take us away from God and it can be Babylon. And sometimes I run into that with, with my working with the youth because I teach and, uh, and I teach theater and sometimes it's intense and there'll be short periods of time that there's nothing else happens in my life except Mm -hmm. teaching those kids especially when we're preparing for production or for region and state. And I, I think that sometimes you have to take a look at that. I have felt this last year that I've had periods of time when I, I should have been concentrating on other things, but, and I always justify it in my head saying, well, I'm helping the youth. I'm helping them stay on the straight and narrow. But mm-hmm. if you got to justify it, maybe that doesn't count. <laughs> Anytime you've got to justify it, it, I would think that maybe you, maybe you better look harder. <laughs> and so, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm seriously considering retiring so I can just spend more time 
in the scriptures and family search and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how that all plays out for us on an individual basis, right? Like Babylon is lots of different things to different people. And uh, especially right. in this uh, worldwide church, we have so many things. And that's why they don't come out to generally and say, well, you can't have this and, and you shouldn't do this. But it, it's up for the Lord to teach us individually on, on lots of different things uh, on fleeing Babylon. Yeah, go ahead, Mom. Okay. So I thought I had fled Babylon <laughs> years ago because I I got rid of the the TV entertainment and the music and all this stuff and celebrity worship, which is really easy to fall into. Not so much anymore, but uh, and I thought I left that all behind. But we took this uh, class from another Avraham Gileadi group about a month, a little over a month ago. And this chapter just really stood out to me. And so I took it to Heavenly Father in my prayers and asked, it, am I in Babylon at all? Am I worshiping idols? And, and it was astonishing to me what I found out. I found out I had my whole foot in Babylon. And it wasn't uh, so much that the idols I had were so bad, but it was so excessive. I, I've, for years, I've had different collections and, and I just had too much. And, and the and Heavenly Father let me know. And I, um, and he, he told me where I needed, what I needed to do with it and where to go with it to help other people and stuff. And anyway, um, it's been quite a process because these were things I thought I just loved and adored. And I had to, to get rid of them. And it, I've spent um, the last month um, wrapping them up and getting them out of my house and stuff. And now that they're gone, it's been so freeing because uh, I didn't even realize what I had done. I didn't realize I was there, but now I feel like that um, I'm out of there now and it, it's a good feeling so was it just an easy ride or, or did you face opposition what was the process oh, <laughs> there was so much opposition <laughs> and most of the opposition being myself <laughs> because i did i thought i i loved these things and a lot of them were things given to me uh, and there was a lot of things that i I'd done shopping with my sisters and there's memories behind them and, and it was hard to let them go, but anything that's going to hold me back from what really, really matters. I want, I'm so grateful for this process. I, I, like I said, I didn't even know I was still in Babylon and I, I was, and anyway, it's been a really freeing experience for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so kind of I think, um, Cameron, that um, Elder Irene's talk about being prepared to leave whenever, I think that's a good way to kind of think about Babylon too, is like, okay, get things in order. So if I have to leave, then it won't be hard to leave. Isn't that what he said? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. not talk mm -hmm. I think that's kind of that's kind of the way I went about it just like if I have to go what am I gonna really just die to have you know mm -hmm. with me and I don't know I think I think like your mom said just to let go of the worldly things um and listen to the spirit yeah exactly uh a while back this summer 
or no, not summer. Where am I? <laughs> All time is weird to me now. Um, this winter, um, we had a, a fire up on the mountain that's just like right here. And um, we were just getting ready to evacuate our house. And I was like, okay, what am I taking? I was like, well, it was just a really good um, uh, introspective thing of well, what really matters. What what am I going to take? What can can't be replaced? And and what do I need? What does the Lord need me to to still have versus what will He replace and uh, refresh that for me later on down the road? And I, I've just really taken that principle uh, and tried to amplify it, like spiritually, uh, physically, temporally, whatever, emotionally. What do I need to leave behind if there's a, a real imminent fire and, and where, where can I go uh, kind of thing with it. I, I found that that was a interesting, just kind of a wake up call, a principle to, to look at um, because I, I just realized how much of everything was just fluff compared to, it's not necessarily Babylon, but uh, good, better, best to like, what's the absolute essentials? Well, this and this and this. <laughs> it's very freeing to, to kind of think of it in that way. I feel like this last year has been a good reality check for me just to realize what's important and what isn't. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of things that really aren't important. Mm -hmm. And before that reality check, did you know that they weren't? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> right? Like, it's like, whoa. I, I was kind of blindsided by that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so kind of going like Shannon said, you know, okay, so last year, this last year was a really good reality check for a lot of, a lot of us and a lot of things, but, uh, as things are opening back up, are we slipping back into the things that are not as important? And, uh, myself, I've, I've kind of tried to make a goal of going maybe back even 10 years when I was serving as Relief Society president and trying to help others a little more, bring things back into perspective to um, to a little more fellowshipping. Just one example is we had a lot of people move into our ward during COVID. Mm -hmm. That's a hard time to move. And they're feeling not accepted. They're feeling still out in left field and, oh, well, how do I do this? And so I think that it wouldn't hurt us to take a good look around us and see who we can help in that type of situation. Because like Shannon said, uh, the reality check was good for us. And, and I think a lot of us are studying more than we were and do that type of thing. And I think we still should do that. But I still also think that sometimes we need to reach out to those that that might need a little help. Mm -hmm, for sure. Uh, yeah, just yesterday, uh, I had a friend of mine that uh, came over and visited me and, and, and told me that they were moving. And I was like, oh, I just barely got to know you, but okay. <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry that I didn't spend this last year really ministering i mean they're not my ministry assignment but like I, i'm sorry that i didn't minister to you better didn't uh, uh be there for you etc you know everyone needs a, a friend especially during uh, hard times like like 2020 etc and i don't know it was just kind of a shock like there's no time to wait anymore like we we have to make sure that we're uh, we're on this isaiah's ladder and and, and there's constant ministering opportunities. And uh, I was very selfish and myopic in, in, in my things. And I wasn't branching out as much as I uh, need to and, and want to. And so uh, that just kind of hit me yesterday of, oh, I need to be uh, doing better, good, better, best, uh, filter out this, this extra myopic fluff that, that I've gotten built up. Um, it's not necessarily full on Babylon, but yet it's stuff that can can impede that that ministering effort and so um just kind of real quick i wanted to to go through the whole ezra cycle so um 
right before we did the, the Abraham class, I, I was uh, doing a, an Ezra here in person, and we were going through uh, the apocryphal texts of, of Ezra's, but, you know, specifically looking for um, Ezra's eagle and, and that imagery. But um, I came out of Ezra just mind blown with all that's in there, really. And what was Ezra, Nehemiah, um, and, and all of their Zerubbabel's efforts doing? They, they were in this bondage, in this Babylon scenario, and they came out in three waves. So uh, first it, it was uh, Zerubbabel, and then Ezra, uh, or I'm getting those mixed up. Not, that's the wrong order. Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel. Um, but how many people stayed in Babylon and didn't come out with one of the three waves. And it, because they, they fell in love with Babylon itself, and we're all going to be called out of Babylon at our own time and place and process. You know, it might uh, be called out of Babylon in this specific area of life first, and then this one, and we kind of take one toe out at a time. But, but sometimes it's an all-out flea as well. And I, I found that principle very interesting as uh, idolatry and uh, all of this stuff started to, to get played out in Isaiah decoded here, that if we're not careful, we're, we're going to get sucked into to Babylon and our families uh, might be. And so how important that is to, to look at the patterns of uh, Babylon, idolatry, etc. in the past and look at them as composites for our day and for our specific families and, and needs. And, and we want to be on one of those waves that, that comes out of Babylon, either um, with Zerubbabel to build the temple, with Nehemiah to build the walls, with Ezra to, to, to rebuild the law in people's hearts. But it, it, it's a difficult process to sometimes be called back to Babylon to, to minister to others, but not stay there and, um, and cling to it and, and get drawn back in. We have to um, be aware as we're ascending the, the ladder, how easy Satan can deceive us to, um, uh, to stay. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of babbling over my, my words there, but um, yeah. Purple things here. First of all, uh, as far as you're getting all wrapped up in your own stuff and not having time to minister to others, uh, I don't know what your schedule is really like, but all of the classes and the, and the presentations and the readings and the stuff that you share, uh, I'd venture to say that I don't think your all of your time is wrapped up in uh, your own selfish pursuits. So maybe just you didn't have uh, extra time for that one individual now you weren't avoiding that individual you just didn't know them and anyway that so that's one thing uh being called out of babylon and then going back into babylon you know sometimes the lord sends those people who have experience in babylon back to them because they have the they know the language they know the ability they know the hot spots and they know the best way to communicate so Hopefully, with those kind of people in and out of Babylon, they uh, they can be trusted not to fall back into the ways, but can be used as a great tool to help include more people from Babylon who haven't made up their mind whether they want to leave or not. And mm -hmm. I guess the last thing is, you know, there's a lot of people in life, they don't worship the idols, but they enable other people who do. To worship the idols maybe they manufacture the idols or they they uh, transport or whatever and sometimes we have to sacrifice all that we have because of the idols um in order to show the lord that we're willing to drop all the things we're going to do for his thing and the last but not least thing i want to say is <laughs> is that the lord God only gave us this much grabbing space. This is all we can carry. Okay. Now, if he wanted us to carry more than what we can have in our hands and our arms, then he would have given us much longer arms. He would have given us bigger hands. 
and he would have given us a rack on the back. So I think it's all strategy in the Lord that even though physically we can't carry a lot, um, he did that on purpose. But we have the capacity upstairs to be able to carry emotions, experiences, knowledge, comprehension, um, and that there's a lot of things that go in and they're trapped in there and they're not allowed to be brought back out. But that's because that's also wisdom in the Lord. So every experience you have will be available to you at some time in the future. So you, you got to kind of do that. So those people who, who have a lot of things, you know, they begin to find out uh, what's important by what will fit in their hands. And, and it's not hard to be caught up in, in the, the accumulation of X, Y, or Z because we emotionally tie things to those. But the emotions and the ties can still be there just without the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that principle of, of just your, your two hands, like what you can, you only have so much capacity to, to carry. I, I hadn't uh, put that in my brain to, to this chapter, but how real that is. And as we ascend on the, the ladder, that the Heavenly Father grants us greater capacities for, for some of these things. Um, I can't remember if I've shared it with with these groups or not, I can't remember where I've shared it, but it recently, um, that Mormon messages video where the, the lady is uh, experiencing the death of all of her children and her husband, et cetera, to uh, cancer and stuff, I can't remember. But anyway, what, what she talks about there, the, the greater our sorrows, the greater our capacity to feel joy. And that capacity, like you said, with, with your hands and stuff, sometimes as we do a, a decent phase in order to ascend, it kind of deepens our, uh, our receptacle, our, our uh, knapsack, whatever you want to call it, to, to carry these bigger loads. And, and how important that is as we ascend, that we have a deeper uh, backpack to carry some of these rocks, um, as we'll we'll see in in the previous chapters. Like you know that um, uh, taking on the Davidic covenant, we have to to take on other people's sins and iniquities, etc. As we um, help them overcome and and come out of Babylon and and all of that. And you know if we only have our own personal backpack that hasn't been deepened through adversity, etc. And and these. Uh, tests and trials that we're not going to be able to, to necessarily help other people as effectively and so that's the whole purpose of decent in order to to exalt and and grow our our capacities i, I love that principle there thank you um where do we go from here <laughs> like i said uh, group a we only covered two pages and so um I, i'm just kind of wow trying to navigate where, where do we want to take this one? Um, let's talk on page 76. Um, the, the very first paragraph that comes over from the other page here, it talks about um, that Jacob and Israel are, were willing to give up old ways in order to embrace God's ways. We could ascend to the next level by renewing the covenant with God and keeping its terms. And so as a spiritual category, Zion thus grows out of Jacob slash Israel. It defines a people within a people of God, those who repent. It's not all of Israel, but those who do uh, repent and renew their covenants. So I'd just like to kind of pose that question, throw that out there for um, some food for that. What does it mean to renew covenants? And how do we do that on the different levels of the ladder? What does it mean to... Um, make new covenants on the, the levels of the ladder and to actually renew those. How, how do we put that into practice? How do we wrap all of that nice and neat in our brain so that we always remember it? <laughs> well, what are some of your thoughts on, on that principle there of renewing the, those covenants? Isn't that the sacrament every Sunday? Just renewing our covenants and that time during the sacrament when we're you know, thinking of Christ and thinking of the things we've done that week and renewing. I think that's a big part of it personally. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, a few years ago, it was kind of posed to me of, um, well, I, I can't even remember where it first came, but uh, there was kind of a discussion in, in church of, oh, it's only the baptismal covenant that we're renewing at, at the sacrament table kind of thing. But then uh, really diving into it, uh, there's been a few prophets, apostles, etc. that it's all of our covenants, every single covenant we've entered into is renewed when we take the sacrament. And I thought that, that was an interesting uh, idea to, to pour into to Isaiah decoded here in this section. Well, I found it interesting this year how many people were doing the sacrament and how many people just didn't even bother to do it. And same with Come Follow Me, the people that are really doing it and then others who just like, no, we haven't really done it. And um, the growth that we are getting when we did it, like when we were doing it at home or like people that like, sometimes my husband was at home. So I um, had to kind of go without a few times, but the people that were making an effort, I feel like personally, I feel like there was a lot of growth those weeks when we couldn't go to church at all, mm-hmm. just to ha- still have the sacrament. And if, to me, it was just really special. You know, the, the renewing of the covenant is a lot. It's very important to us because we have to constantly remember what the covenant is and what our part is. And as far as the covenant, renewing the covenant, or even like even particular to the sacrament, the sacrament doesn't mean just one thing. Don't let anybody ever tell you that it just only means one thing. Because as we progress in the gospel, as we mature in our relationship with the Savior, then the sacrament takes on a whole new meaning. It takes on a whole new wave. And, and it deepens and it matures our understanding. Um, and for those people that it only takes up one thing, they're not progressing. So it's very important that we, especially the, like the prophet says, go to the temple as often as possible because we need to remember and recognize what our comp- the Lord never forgets his part of any con- of any uh, covenant. But as far as us, we need to be reminded on a regular basis what our responsibilities and those covenant things are. And as we remember those, our covenants not only strengthen, but they become deeper and they become more meaningful and they're able to branch out. And once that is done, we're able to share greater and deeper testimony with others. And those testimonies are then built inside of others as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, interesting as we, we go through um, that, that learning phase and stuff and the, the deeper it, it gets, um, when I try to approach the, the sacrament each week uh, with a broken heart, contrite spirit, and seriously reflecting on each covenant that I, I've made with the Lord, which ones um, I didn't do so well with this week, and which ones I, uh, it's like all of the covenants have their own kind of level that, okay, well, this one I was excellent at, but this one, not so much. And, and just really repenting and, and growing so that I can um, fully renew that. And, and the joy that it brings when uh, you do have that, that cognizant renewal uh, with a full purpose of heart, um, how, how quickly the, the Lord forgives and then gives you as many blessings as, as you can can handle kind of thing so that you can turn around and, and bless other people's lives. I, I find that that's um, such a, a fun principle. And now looking at these, these uh, rungs on, on Isaiah's ladder uh, to heaven, how um, there's this one ordinance that all levels of the ladder perform each week uh, in ideal circumstances to, to, to do wildly different things wherever they're at. I find that that was um, an amazing, uh, not epiphany, but like just a, an amazing realization for me this week as I was partaking of the sacrament, like, oh man, there's people all over the world 
today that wherever they're at on the ladder that are partaking of the same ordinance so that they can each um, renew whatever covenants they've they've entered into and and keep progressing on this ladder i, I just loved that it, it was just such a, a huge testimony builder to me today like we're all in this together and we can help each other and um, minister in, in greater and, and holier ways. Um, even Christ, who partakes of the sacrament at the Last Supper and says that um, he will partake of it again uh, in the future. And it's like, oh man, all the levels of the ladder are, are partaking of the sacrament. This is um, interesting that that's the one ordinance that we do regularly, but it, it covers everyone. It's an all-inclusive um, renewal covenant. I, I love that. Well, prayer, prayer is also a very important ordinance as well because we have been commanded to pray always and at least we fall into temptation and uh, and to consult the lord uh in all things and to consecrate the to the lord all the things that we do so if we go anything we do we consecrate it to the lord for his building up and his support then he will consecrate his support to us and help us to be victorious in the end of whatever it is we're doing. So that, that in, a, in and of itself is an ordinance. And it is a, uh, a promise that we make, a covenant. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've never heard prayer called an ordinance before. That no one's going to take me a second to wrap my head around and, and apply that. Thank you. All right. Let's see. So um, looking at, at page 78, it talks about the um, Sodom and Gomorrah type destruction that's literally going to repeat itself at the end of the world. And we have all of these ideas of types and shadows or composites that, that are played out. And so uh, one of the, the great composites that we have is Sodom and Gomorrah and who was brought out of there. Lot and his, his daughters, his wife went, went back. So Looking at Isaiah's ladder, who does Lot represent? Who do his daughters represent? Which rung of the ladder does his wife represent? Who does Abraham represent? Like, what? where are all of these characters on the ladder? I, I just like some insight discussion there. Because I had never previously taken that story and like delineated it out, studied it out for levels before uh, you know it's a, it's a good story and a good principle like don't go back kind of a principle but um i found this very interesting going through it and kind of mapping it out all right well let's talk about lot lot received the angels without hesitation and he uh tried to pacify the angels and to protect them even though they didn't need it okay and the people outside were screaming and hollering, bring them out. We want to we want to have our way with them. Okay. So Lot, he's trying to tell the people to go away. It's for your own good. And uh, so Lot, in that particular case, could be anybody who recognizes the hand of the Lord, who recognizes and maybe understands what the Lord is capable of and what the Lord has promised he would do because I don't think that uh, uh, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, went into this blindly they were they were well versed and well worn the Lord never does anything by oh by the way I'm going to kill you uh, <laughs> he gives plenty of warning so that's that as far as the daughters now I don't know how much that he shared with them whether they were just um obediently following lot uh to do what he's done so maybe lot could be our 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 priesthood and our our leadership people who see the hand of the lord and they're trying to teach us to follow and we could be the ones following those who will uh, lead us to lead us to where the lord wants us to go well and i think the daughters probably started um, you know, in the Jacob Israel category, right? They were righteous enough. They wanted to leave. They weren't in Babylon. Um, but 
after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, they let the fear of what they thought happened cause them to make choices that I think dropped them down the ladder a little bit. Um, we don't really hear much about what happened to them afterwards and you know what progress they may have made or and everything but their children and their descendants became great people and then are then brought back into the story right yeah. you know we get moab from them and that's where ruth was from and we know that ruth um <clears throat> she is a direct ancestor of christ so you know, there's still all that interweaving of that. So I'm not quite sure where the daughters ended up, so to speak. But, you know, just like all the rest of us, probably didn't make some of the best choices. And as far as Lot's wife goes, well, those are the ones who reluctantly follow. And then when times get a little hard or they begin to miss their their uh, the things that they enjoyed they they look back and they decide that well i don't know I, i'm they become fence setters and and the lord says don't look back at all they're the ones who say well maybe it wasn't that bad maybe <laughs> i'm maybe it wasn't that awful and and my friends aren't my friends aren't bad people you know that kind of thing yeah Exactly. So yeah, it's interesting to, to point them out on this, uh, this ladder and how this is going to play out at the end of the world. So taking a look at, at where you're at on the ladder right now and, and who you're called to minister to, to, to bring out before this, this great Sodom and Gomorrah level destruction. And um, just how's it going? <laughs> are, are, are we... Um, uh, making it are we going to make it out yes and and are the people that we're helping going to make it out hopefully and how do we uh, increase our efforts how do we um, uh, pray for them like like Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah when he um, heard that they were going to be destroyed he's on that uh, son servant slash level there and and starts to become a proxy savior for them praying on their behalf, negotiating with the Lord for them, and uh, really just expressing the, the utmost of love so that um, the righteous can be called out and saved. Um, so that, anyway, it, it's just an interesting uh, perspective. Like, okay, so here's this whole Sodom and Gomorrah scenario and all of the characters in it. Which character am I? And, and where do I go from here? How do I increase my uh, ability to serve and minister and pull people out of Babylon. And uh, anyway, I, I just found that that was a, an interesting study this week, um, going through that and other stories uh, like Nephi and, uh, and his whole family coming out before the destruction of Jerusalem. And anytime you have another destruction in the scriptures, taking it, it always has the same characters lined out in scripture. To, to teach us the same principles so we can look at where we're at, where other people are at, and, and how to navigate this as a composite for our day so that we can play out really, the same story. Really, and when it push comes to shove, Cameron, you're really not going to know where you stand until the day of show, so to speak. Yeah. Now, we, we, we know it's coming that puts us a little farther up the ladder. We're prepared. It won't shock us. Um, if we are continually praying and telling the Lord that uh, I, I expect this to be coming and I want to be prepared so that I do the right thing, then the Lord puts tests in your life to strengthen you so that on the day of show, when the angels show up at your front door, you know how to receive them, you know what to follow, and you know that no matter, I am prepared to walk away, I'm prepared to leave it like Elder President Eyring said, and I'm not going to look back because what's in front of me is going to be so much better than what it was ever behind. Yeah. Also, Cameron, um, if you've watched The Chosen, the first series where Nicodemus, where Christ calls Nicodemus to go with him, 
and he wants to go so bad. He wants, he tells him, come follow me and come be one of his um, apostles or whatever, whatever. And he, remember, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but he just stands there at the corner of the wall and he's just sobbing because he wants to go with Christ, but he can't because his wife, it, she loves her home and she loves her things and she loves her people. And she's just like, no, I'm not going anywhere. And when you were talking about this, I thought, I think how many people we're kind of in our relationships too. how some of them are going to help us move forward. And some people are, it's going to be hard because we have spouses that maybe aren't ready to do that. They don't want to go to the next rung. I mean, that's, so it's a lot of it's can get a little bit complicated too, because it's not just you when you want to get rid of Babylon it's more than just sometimes just you that you know you have to think of other people if you're married um or have a family um sometimes they're not ready to get rid of their collections or their favorite things you know so I thought that when you were talking about that I I that was really touching to me when Nicodemus was just sobbing when he wanted to go with Christ so bad but he couldn't mm-hmm yeah, for sure. Holy cow, we're already out of time. <laughs> How does the time go by so quickly? I don't know. Um, but yeah, any any last thoughts or like uh, what's a, a final topic that in this chapter that we can kind of uh, go over and, and talk about? I, I've spent way too much time talking, sorry. <laughs> How many of us have learned something completely new that has never crossed our mind ahead of time for this you know uh the the explanation of the symbols uh the decoded the isaiah decoded parts or or how do you, do you start seeing yourself on the ladder and do you see other people around you climbing their own ladders either ascending or descending uh, you begin to recognize things that you never saw before. They've always been around you, but they never, you never saw them before. That's the, that is an increase in knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And the Lord is shipping this to you. Special first class delivery <laughs> for the Cameron Briggs uh, delivery service. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it's so interesting how that, that works and stuff. So when we talk about, um, Abraham or Isaiah being caught up to the seventh heaven in order to see the end of the world and, and understand it and everything. Uh, we kind of get like little pieces of that as we grow in our wisdom, like, oh, we can see a little bit more of the picture here, but it's still not a full picture yet. But when they are um, taken up their apocalypse or their ascension, that um, they, they've ascended all of these levels and now they can see a fuller picture, how it all works, all of the, the mechanisms, all the cogs and, and how that plays into each other. That, that helps me understand their experiences, even though I haven't experienced that yet. But um, as we are on our own journeys, how each level of the ladder really does uh, bring that understanding and, and wisdom there. Yeah, go ahead, mom. You're muted. Okay. Well, I, you're kind of saying the same thing I was thinking, but like we can see the the layers, the levels below us, and we can see them in people because we've been there. We've done that. But we can't see the ones that we haven't been to before. And, and it's kind of interesting, but you did say that you can through you know reading about Abraham and different things and and different people you can see get glimpses of that but it's mostly the levels that are below us that we can see clearly so we I think that's so that we can minister to those reach down and help them help them up mm-hmm I think yeah. that's right, and especially like what you said about getting glimpses of other other rungs on the ladder, just slight glimpses, and that keeps us working towards them. And and uh, boy, there are some people that you just love to be around because they 
help lift you and you can help lift them. But um, so I think sometimes that's that's important to watch for those glimpses and grab onto that next rung and pull yourself up. Yeah. Well, that's an important thing because there are many people in this world who don't realize that they are or can make progress. You know, for people who don't recognize it, there's no progression made. At least they don't see it. But this is where yeah. by recognizing and, and understanding what Isaiah talked about, we can actually see that we are progressing. Mm. Yeah, and what a blessing that is. I mean, uh, kind of a tender mercy there, because if you're not able to see your own progression, sometimes it's really hard to complete any given task, right? Like, oh, I don't know. Uh, family history, perfect example. If, <laughs> if you're indexing just endless images and you never have like, okay, a batch of 10 things that you need to index or, or whatever, sometimes if you can't see your progress, it just seems like this endless monotony. And, and the same way with, with life, like, oh my word, like this Jacob Israel level of the ladder is just crazy. But if you can get checkpoints, if you can have these um, periodic tests like Elder Bednar talks about, um, that those are absolutely essential for our, our learning and wisdom as we uh, can, can have those, evaluate, and then either redo it or, or move on to the next thing. Uh, the, those checkpoints are such tender mercies from the Lord, really. Sometimes we, we shudder at the, the idea of tests and trials and uh, pop quizzes, but um, how they're magnificent in the, in the scheme of things, really. Yeah. So is everybody loving Isaiah Dakota so far? <laughs> it's just blowing my mind. I, I love every minute of it. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to, to say everything is absolutely 100% correct or whatever with Avraham. I'm not trying to put him up on this, this pedestal, but there's just so many different lenses to, to look at the, uh, the gospel, but, but Isaiah in general. When we start diving into the text of Isaiah, these things really start opening up uh, the words like I have never been able to, to read Isaiah before. It's just very confusing and and now here's kind of like the answer key we can go and look at the text and and see how these things play out with all of the different characters that he's introducing that are kind of foreign to us with a, a western set of eyes that um we don't know much about hezekiah or uh uzziah or any of the uh, the kings and uh, people in in these stories that isaiah is talking about but as we know the patterns then we can take a look and and see how they played out then and and what that means for us now and how we might be able to to be of of use in God's kingdom here in, at this specific time, which is so fun. Um, yeah. Any last thoughts before we end for the night? I can't believe how fast that went. That went fast faster than than Group A even. I don't even know how to to get through a whole chapter. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> It was even faster for us, Cameron, because we were late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, let me copy and paste. There was a couple of people that, that missed this. Um, so in the chat, um, in group A, uh, it came to my mind. I was like, oh, there's a conference talk that's about this. Um, and it was from 2015, October, from Bradley Foster that talks about um, this uh, kid Pablo and... Um, Anyway, it's an amazing talk. I, I highly encourage uh, reading that. We re read part of it, uh, Pablo's experience there at the beginning of, of our time tonight. But um, anyway, that, that's a fun one to, to go and read and look at Isaiah's ladder in, in context of that talk. Uh, like I said before, it, it's so fun when, uh, when you're studying, um, not trying to say this weird, but like studying higher level principles, et cetera, and then seeing those things talked about so freely in general conference, et cetera, and having kind of confirming witnesses like, okay, yeah, this is a true principle. I'm not just reading this weird commentary book by someone that, okay, these are awesome things that um, I just didn't catch before. But, but now that I have a new set of glasses on, I can see things in a different way and, and recognize when, when our leaders are, are talking about this stuff. But yeah. 
anyway, it, it's been real fun. <laughs> I, I hope that we all can uh, learn a lot from, well, okay, sorry, mom's raising her hand. You're good. Now you're muted. There you go. I don't know why I have such a hard time with that. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's interesting how with conference talks and different things like that, um, if we're not ready for them at the time, we don't, we miss some of that stuff and we can uh, and revisit those later. And oh my word, look what they're telling us here. And I experienced that last night with, um, I was looking through some old notes that I had and I was looking in particular for, cause I had a chart about the Good Samaritan um, uh, being representing different people you know, and I wanted to have that for uh, release sites today. And uh, I come across this, um, I, I learned at uh, BYU and I have the notes on it is about Jacob's Ladder. And at the time that I was taking that class, I wasn't getting this stuff, but it's saying basically the same stuff that we're learning here on uh, Isaiah Dakota. Anyway. It's just interesting that when you're ready, things, you know, mm -hmm. really do flow. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. <laughs> <laughs> How true that is. Yep. All right. Well, it's been fun. I hope everyone has a, a great week studying chapter four. It's going to be all right. <laughs> all right. We'll see everyone later. Bye. Bye.